So, um, the reading is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 13 to 14, and the title is Ebenezer, the Stone of Help. Now, as you know, um, Kathy and I have, um, over recent months, been travelling back and forth to Wales uh, to visit her, her parents, um, and we should be going again at the end of this month. Um, and sometimes on the way in, in, in rural Wales, you see some of the, um, the wayside chapels in Wales, and they have some interesting names. I've seen ones called Carmel, I've seen ones called Bethlehem, and I've also seen chapel names Ebenezer Chapel. And these are names taken from uh, mostly the Old Testament, and they are lovely uh, names with wonderful meanings. Um, but Ebenezer means stone of help, a monument that was set up by Samuel, uh, who was a judge. And these, um, Ebenezer means it's a place where we remember something that God did for the nation of Israel. Israel was at great risk of being overcome by the Philistines as they had been 20 years previously. It was a time of great crisis, they were very fearful. But Ebenezer was the stone monument that was erected after the battle to say, God has helped us. Thus far in our history, God has cared for us. So I think this is a really uh, helpful theme this morning um, as we gather here uh, in church because it's a way of us saying, thank you Lord for the way that you've helped us thus far. This is our fifth Sunday service back after lockdown. After many long months when we were denied the chance to meet, we have been here for five Sundays. And uh, I remember when John Moyle, uh, in his um, newspaper article, said, it's heaven to be back at church. And that's true. Uh, but it still isn't as we would wish it to be. We're still not able to greet with hugs and kisses as we would wish to do. We are still not able to sing openly as we dearly, dearly would wish to do. And that's a great grief to us all. So things aren't as we would wish them to be. We can't mingle freely. Each week we have to review what the government guidelines are. Things are a lot better than they were in the dark times of April and May. But the future is still uncertain. Uh, may, there may be another spike. What lies up ahead? Will there be any locally imposed lockdowns? We just don't know. But we may be asking in our minds, will I have the mental and spiritual help and strength to cope? So this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 7 I think is an encouragement because it's a reminder how far we've come. Ebenezer, thus far the Lord has helped us and he will, by implication, continue to help us. And I think that's the important point I want to make, that his strength does not stop at one battle, it continues through for the future. So briefly, three points to make. Ebenezer is a reminder that God has helped us in the past. 
That stone was a reminder of the goodness of God, particularly at times of national crisis. When we had victory over our enemies. And as I said, you know, the background to this story is that 20 years previously, the Israelites had suffered a terrible battle setback. Terrible. If I just, um, just turn back just for a moment, chapter 4, verse 10 of 1 Samuel. The Philistines fought the Israelites, they were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. They all rushed home. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. And the Ark of the Covenant was, was captured. And Eli, who was the, um, uh, the priest at the time, his two sons, Hophni and Phileas, were, 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 were killed. They died. And, and, and it, was, it was a bad, bad time. I mean, the, the, the writer goes on. He mentions it in chapter 4, verse 17. The man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines. The army has suffered great losses. And your two sons uh, are dead. And, the, and the, the, the ark has been captured. Or verse 19. There was a woman, the wife of Phineas, And she was pregnant near the time of her delivery. And when she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labour and gave birth. Um, and what did she call her son? She called the child Ichabod. Ichabod. That is a terrible name. It means the glory of the Lord has departed. God's glory has gone from the land. All is dark. So, as I say, that was a terrible time. For Israel, the priests were corrupt, the ark was captured, and 30,000 foot soldiers perished in battle. But now, in the passage that I've just read uh, from chapter 7, the, the, the Israelites have a spectacular success uh, against great odds. And the question you might ask is well, what's the difference? Because it's the same place, they haven't shifted country. The enemy, the Philistines in the west, is still a mighty um, danger. So what's, happened? what's the difference then? Is it because they had better military leadership? No. Is it because they had better military intel about the Philistines? No. Did they have, have different ta tactics and weaponry? No, none of that. What gave the Israelites, the edge in this particular battle with their enemies. Well, look at verse 10 of chapter 7. Verse 10 says this, But that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines. The Lord did it. He thundered. And this thunder from heaven occurred at a very crucial time. It was a time when Samuel was praying and as we heard last week, you know, that concept that prayer is like reverse thunder. So I was happy to come across this passage where you've got God thundering from heaven in reply. It's a wonderful link, isn't it? Thunder going both ways, reverse thunder. So different from chapter 4. Here they have 
a major victory. You see, back in chapter 4, the difference was this. The people were not trusting the Lord. They were hankering after the nations around them. The Baals and the Asherah. These were the, the, the false gods that the nations worshipped. And Israel was going after the false gods. Um, Asherah was the goddess of fertility. And so the Israelites thought, if we follow that goddess, then we will be, uh, have plenty of crops. They had the false gods as the first place in their lives. And whenever you have something unreliable or false as the first place in your heart, you're always in great danger. If material goods, material things, is the, has the first place in your heart, then it won't go well for you. If your pride is the most important thing in your heart, it will not go well for you. Anything can become an idol, dear friends. Anything can take first place in our hearts apart from God. And that is what happened to Israel. It allowed its heart to go after other gods. What do you hold as first place in your heart? What is your number one priority in your life? Who matters to you the most? It's a question we all need to ask ourselves. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 4, this is what um, it says. No other nation, no matter how great, has a God who is so near. A God who is so near when they needed him. As the Lord is to us. He answers whenever we call. And that's exactly what happened when Samuel prayed. God answered with thunder. And then later Samuel was able to erect the Ebenezer monument stone, the stone of help. Which reminds us, friends, I think that the lesson to you and I is this. The Lord must be our priority in our lives. And we must be sure that every time we call upon him, he is close. This is what the scripture is telling us. Throughout the Bible, there is a wonderful record of the history of God hearing his people and being close. And what was true back then is true for us now here in the 21st century. Thus far, God has kept us on the path of righteousness. And you will sing it later, but it's recorded in that lovely song about Come Thou Fount. Here I find my great treasure, my Ebenezer. Here I find my great treasure, hither by thy help I'm come. Here I find my Ebenezer, here's my heart, oh take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. And friends, that should be our daily prayer. Lord, help my heart not to wander. Here's my heart, seal it for your service. Because even when our hearts are not right, and we have all perhaps wandered at times, even when our hearts are not right, God still loves us. And even back in chapter 4 of 1 Samuel, the people of God were, were following false idols, they didn't trust, and disasters came upon them, militarily and economically. There were judgments. But God 
only wanted to bring them back. God may have humbled them and, and, and caused them to come to a place of repentance. And this was perhaps a severe, severe mercy. But he is gracious and kind and he always wants to bring us back. This is the nature of God. As I said the other week, his two sheepdogs are goodness and mercy. And they will bring us back. God only wants this. He wants you to know him. He wants me to know him. This is the prime thing for our hearts. Because if we know God, then we know he is a good God. A God of love. And if we know God in our hearts, then we are able to face whatever lies up ahead. This is all he desires. That you may know me and love me. Because all the other gods are false gods. Anything else that takes first place is false. And Baal, who was one of the gods that um, the Israelites chased after, did you know that Baal was the thunder god, the god of thunder? Yes, he was. But actually, God makes it very clear after Samuel prays that he is the god of thunder and rain. He is the god that responds to prayer and can make the land fertile and can give the food and can give the security. And we must remember that, that he is also the Holy God. The God that insists that we walk in righteousness. He will not have it that we walk after false gods because he loves us too much. And he will even use a severe mercy to bring us back. And it's good for us to remember our Ebenezer's because we all have them. We all have those, those times in our heart when we remember what God has done for us. And that should give us confidence, not just for the pre present, but for the future as well. Especially in those low points. And friends, let's be honest. We've all had low points. Some may be going through low points at the moment. It's important to be honest about this. And not to sort of just stick it underground. You know, to face up to it. And admit, Lord, I'm feeling wobbly. It's difficult. Lord, remind me of the Ebenezer's in my life. Remind me of the times when you've come and you've thundered in my life. And you've caused change for good. And then, Lord, please, make me grateful. Make me grateful. You know, last week I mentioned about um, George Herbert. Uh, a great poet uh, from the 16th century and he wrote this poem, poem about prayer and I quoted it God is the prayer of uh, prayer is like thunder, reverse thunder well uh, he's written lots of wonderful poems but this is one about gratefulness and I, I want to just, just mention what I learned from this what he is saying this poet and when he's talking to God he is saying, Lord, you've given me so much in life. You've blessed me in so many ways. But I want one more thing. I want one more thing from you. And that one thing I want from you, God, is a grateful heart. I am coming to you like a beggar, Lord. And I'm trying to artfully persuade you to give me this one thing. And the reason is, he says that if I am grateful, then I will then be aware of everything you've given me thus far. 
And if I have a grateful heart, I won't miss opportunities to say thank you. He says in the end of the, um, the poem, not thankful when it pleases me, you know, when I'm feeling good, when I'm feeling top of my game and things are going well, as if we only thank God when things are going well. But he says this, but such a heart whose pulse may be your praise. He's saying, give me a heart which is in pulse with you and looks for opportunities to praise all the time. And I think that's a great thing to remember during these times of lockdown. You know, last weekend we had our family with us, our children, for the first time they gathered in the garden since Christmas. Yeah, the traditional family barbecue to celebrate Kathy's birthday. And it was great. And there were lots of long hugs. We hadn't been able to hug since Christmas. Precious moments. Monuments of God's goodness to us. And then a couple of Sundays ago, uh, I was in the hall, and um, Paul and Audrey's, uh, some of their grandchildren came uh, with their daughter Leah. She had brought them to Skegness for the day. You gave me permission to say this. And um, Audrey hadn't seen uh, Leah arrive with the children, but Paul was there in the hall. And then Audrey came through and she saw her three grandchildren. And I, I saw as she walked up to them with her arms open wide to hug them. And then she paused, because you could see her, her mind going through the, what are the current state of restrictions? <laughs> and there was this pause, and she did a mental check. And then she looked to her daughter. I saw all this. And her daughter nodded with a lovely smile. It's okay. And she hugged her daughter. And it was a, a beautiful moment for me to see, uh, to witness. And we won't forget those moments, will we? Monuments to God's goodness. And coming back here and taking communion together, receiving people into membership, recognising new deacons, listening to live music, it is heaven to be back. And we should mark these times as victory times. Monuments to God's faithfulness. How he has kept us. How he kept us through those dark months. How he has looked after us. I remember preaching on the various passages about how God was uh, a stronghold, a refuge. Till now the Lord has kept us. I do pray that at these times we will use these moments to remember, um, to pause and to enjoy the things that God is pausing us for, like, you know, be aware of your surroundings, be aware of the trees swaying in the breeze, be aware of the birds, be aware of the rare sound of the cuckoo, and it is rare, the cooing of the doves in the trees, be aware of the murmur of the wasp and midge. On the flowers. Be aware of the blue skies with few contrails and say, Lord, give me a heart of gratitude. Help me to see and to be thankful. I was almost moved to tears of joy just recently when I was swimming in the outdoor pool which has just opened at the embassy. And I was swimming and I was just coming to the end of a length and I saw these sparrows these cheeky little sparrows, so small, just dancing around, cheeky little sparrows, dancing around at the edge, playing games, I felt, frolicking. And I saw them, and that, in that one moment, I felt that pang of 
joy and gratitude that my Lord Jesus has made these sparrows. And they are so cheeky the way he made them. And they're so lovely. How could God make such tiny, wonderful creatures? And my heart was moved to thank God. And we should ask God, Lord, one more thing I ask of you. Give me a heart to be grateful. But friends, this lockdown has been a time of real loneliness for some people. It's meant the cancellation of school. It's meant cancelled holidays. It's meant the pain of not being with friends. And do you remember the panic buying? You know, we mustn't forget these times. Yet God has given us the strength to endure and to deal with our fear and to pray for our friends. And we must pray for our friends because, you know, people may appear to be strong, but you don't know what's going on in their hearts. And so we must be sensitive. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. This is the Ebenezer Stone of Help. And secondly, more briefly, I think that Ebenezer is a monument of what God can do in the future. If he has done that in the past, as he did for the children of Israel, he, you know, that great battle, that means that he will look after them in the future and supply all they need. Whatever the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Psalm 77 verse 10 says this, I will remember your deeds, Lord. I will recall the wonders you did in the past. I will think about you, all that you have done, and I will meditate on all your mighty acts. Everything you do, O God, is holy. That's Psalm 77 verse 10. I will determine to remember. I will determine to remember what you have done for me. And know that you will do it again. And you will look after me. And you will help me to cope. Mentally and spiritually and physically. And finally, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 5 to 9. You can't miss it. You have Samuel praying. And asking the people to come back and put God first. And... You think to yourself, there's always time to recommit to God. Samuel said to the people, are you going to have a heart for God? They said, yes, we are. And I think that it's significant that God thundered from heaven when three things happened. When Samuel offered the sacrifice of that young lamb, when he prayed to God, and when the people repented. I think all those things caused the heavens to thunder and for success to take place in the battle. And when I read that, I had to go and read Mark chapter 16 because I think it's very significant. Mark chapter 16. You remember after Jesus had died on the cross? You remember the resurrection? Let me read this to you. Chapter 16, verse 2. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. This is the women. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? They were just thinking practically, it is a big stone. Who is going to roll it so we can anoint the body with, uh, uh, with um, spices? But then when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And they entered the tomb. 
And they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified and has risen. He is not here. You see, the stone was rolled back um, not so Jesus could get out, but it was rolled back so others would get in to see that it was empty, that he had risen. And um, I think when thinking about the stone of Ebenezer, our greatest stone is the fact that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, has rolled away the obstacle between us and God. The obstacle of sin has been rolled away because of what he did. There is no obstacle between us and God because Jesus made sure that stone was rolled away. And he did it through his precious blood. So do you see, there's an echo in 1 Samuel 7 of the Lamb and prayer and Ebenezer. Death could not hold the Lord Jesus. He is the greatest Ebenezer. When you look back on what he's done, that gives you strength for now and for the future because that is, that's a historical fact. That's a historical fact that we have peace with God and that Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father in heaven and ever lives to intercede. So friends, that means that whatever lies up ahead, we can be certain that death is not the end for believers and there's a future to look forward to because Jesus rose from the dead. And there is no obstacle between us and God because Jesus has dealt with that. And when Paul talks about the power of resurrection, he means the same power that brought Jesus back to life is the same power that will get you and I to heaven. He goes on to say in Romans 8, If the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from death will also give life to your mortal bodies by the presence of his Spirit in you. Friends, this is a wonderful, wonderful promise. The same strength that raised Jesus is the same strength that will give life to your mortal bodies. And you can be certain that as you trust the Lord Jesus, he will get you to be with him in heaven. Our Ebenezer, praise his name. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord God, here we raise our Ebenezer. By all your help, we are able to come to you. And Lord, we hope that your good pleasure will safely bring us home. Lord, you looked out for us when we were strangers to you, when your, word, when your name was not precious. We were wandering from the fold of God. But Lord, you came to rescue us from danger. You interposed your precious blood. And there is now no obstacle between us and God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for interposing your precious blood on our lives so that we can know we are forgiven for our sins. And I pray that every person here in church will know the peace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. <clears throat>